Hey, this is Holly Marie Cato. Thank you for joining me on episode one of After the Beep, a podcast that allows you, the audience, to do more than just listen. I invite you to participate. Schedule a call with me or leave a voicemail. Details on how to do both are all in the show notes. And maybe we'll be having a conversation in the next episode. Please leave a message. After the beep. If I do decide to be back with him in a relationship, I wouldn't want to give up again. I don't want to go through that breakup. I want to treasure this and make sure it lasts as long as I, I can make it last. So before making that decision, I feel like we should spend some time together physically, but we can't because of the quarantine. <laughs> End of message. This is Patricia's Faye, right? Yeah. Okay, I thought so, but I, ne- I didn't want to like presume just in case I was just like, uh, I know. And then the, the person's like, no, you don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Patricia's Faye. <laughs> <laughs> so for people that don't know, I met Faye at a leaving party of a mutual friend called Patricia who had just finished architecture school and had landed a job in South Africa where she's currently in lockdown. Yeah, yeah. There's actually a funny story of that night. I might have told you that I, I was just visiting London and that was a time actually I was having quite a, a down period. So I was avoiding meeting people. And Patricia found out I was in London and she sent me a text saying, uh, are you in London? I said, yes. She said, come to this on um, this night without kind of any background introduction of what this occasion was. Oh, no way. Yeah. And I, I just thought I, I, I text her back saying, what is this for? She said, I'm leaving Europe. <laughs> so dramatic. She said, I'm leaving Europe. And I was like, oh, shit, girl. And then I showed up her leaving um, party kind of last minute and I saw so many people like Janice who had no idea I was going to turn up <laughs> yeah it was it was it was a funny experience well it seemed like everyone around that dinner table only knew she was leaving that day like no one had <laughs> any pre-warning that she was leaving the country yeah it's so Patricia just she's so spontaneous and really random I love her <laughs> yeah I was actually going to tell you about, so remember that, well, that one time we met each other physically. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds really weird. Um, I was telling you about this situation of my past relationship. Yeah, I remember. And yeah, how it has really affected me at that time. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, um, because Copenhagen was in quarantine quite early and my first week of quarantine I got a phone call from the strange number that um it wasn't saved so I just picked up I was kind of in the middle of doing stuff so I just picked up and it was him he just called me kind of out of the blue and he sounded really down I think the kind of whole situation in New York has made him feel like a rethink about I guess his life and everything and he reached out and he told me he was feeling a bit lonely and he wants to reach out to people. And I was the first person 
he reached out and you know we had a great chat I was in a good mood that day we had a really nice chat also I feel like it must have taken him a lot of courage to make this call to me so if I can give him some like positive energy just through talking that would be really nice and after that we've been talking almost every day wow yeah and it's it's weird it's like almost like we're back together wow um it's yeah it's just quarantine time make people (laughs) behave weirdly I guess how do you feel now because I guess obviously he he took that first step to reach out to you and then I guess you was vulnerable and open enough to entertain that conversation yeah does does it still feel scary or yeah it is scary in a sense because I almost feel like it's a cycle so when I first met him I remember I was in school actually had this chair with Patricia so the back-end story for people who don't know <laughs> I met this guy we worked on the same project but um kind of remotely when we met in New York it was really nice we had instant connection sorry when you say school like university yeah um, yeah. university yeah the, the RCA to be more specific and I remember I came back to Copenhagen and I went to London for some work commitment and I was thinking about it for a long time is it worth pursuing a relationship to someone I just met on a work trip and I don't even know what's going to happen I remember Patricia said just do it <laughs> and then I thought yeah you know, I've got my girl's support and I should just, I'm quite a spontaneous person as well. I always hold this kind of YOLO attitude that I'll just do whatever and try it and see what happens. And then basically I spent a month in summer in New York and that's when things start to kind of fall apart. And, you know, because he had invited you out there to spend time with him. But at the same time, he was very stressed because of work all the time, which is understandable. But I guess also just when I was there in his in his place, you know, in his city with his friends, I started to feel the difference in the way we perceive the world, understanding relationships and even tiny details of how, you know, what time we get up in the morning. Um, he doesn't cook and I love cooking. Just tiny things like this. And we start arguing a lot. And we broke up not long after I came back to Copenhagen. And now he, you know, we're talking again. He's he's very lovely. He's so caring and he's romantic. He writes me all this really poetic stuff all the time. But he was like this when we first met. And then when something happened, when he was stressed, he almost became another person. So for me now, I'm a bit more aware of how he could be interacting with me in a different way because he's in a good place if you go what I mean yeah and I I get you say good place but maybe it's not even a good place I mean I I don't know his state but in a sense that he's he's reached out to you because maybe he felt lonely and that need to connect with someone Mm. and he knew that you would be the person to kind of like fill him back up and give him that emotional support so in the sense that we're saying healthy, maybe he's just more available because work isn't there, right? He's still working now. 
Oh, he um, is? Yeah, he's because he does these um, animation music videos. Oh, that's and amazing. They can still, yeah, work remotely. Yeah, basically, they got the biggest job commission during the summer. Just so happened I was there, which is why he was so stressed because it meant a lot for his studio. But yeah, now I feel like maybe just me imagining it, but he is changing because he knows how, um, why we broke up last time. So now he would get alarm, set, set up alarm, get up early so he can talk to me or watch a film with me. And there was once he, he promised to call um, and he didn't because he kind of forgot about the time. And he apologized and promised he'll never do it again. And wow, uh, you know, I don't, you know, I don't like to believe in promises because, especially people who have disappointed me before. So I don't know how to react with that. But it was nice to notice a difference. So I've I've described this before. I feel like in many ways this quarantine is a reset and it's a reset for everyone in different ways but I think one maybe commonality is it's getting us to pause look at our lives and really question what is important yes from what's not and what is missing and if we are really valuing the things that we say is important and maybe that's what is happening here, you know? Yeah. I actually did think about what quarantine has changed my life. Because to be honest, quarantine Copenhagen is not really quarantine. People are still out about, they're still enjoying the sunshine. Um, people are having barbecues and it's quite relaxed. But because we can't be in a group or in the crowded area. So every time I hang out with a friend, it will be one-on-one. It really did force me to rethink my friendships with people and every time I make a choice of spending my time with a person it kind of made me think who I really want to spend my time with now because all this kind of unnecessary interactions such as walking past by a person on the street saying hello to a, a person working in the coffee shop or even just going to the workspace with the colleagues um, I guess it's not unnecessary interactions, kind of the interactions you, you're you bound to have on a daily basis are not happening anymore. So we have the 100% control over who we want to spend time with. And I just start to have a list of people and I feel really comfortable with, or it forced me to reach out to people that I didn't normally feel like I should, but now I really want to spend some time with them. So I guess, in a way, that's what makes him reach out to me. But what's worrying me is I don't want this to be, you know, um, I don't want to be a person who fill his blank space for this period. And maybe when we go out of quarantine, things will change again. Yeah, I, I, I can definitely understand why that would be a concern. Mm. Have you have you felt comfortable enough that you could communicate that to him? Like, have you spoke about that? No, we we had a few kind of unintentional 
conversations about it. As in, say, I remember we had this conversation and he said, oh, I promised something. And I said, your promises don't mean shit. That was actually my true thought. But he got really upset. Another time I was joking, saying I don't normally um, talk to my ex, you know, and he said, oh, is that all I am to you? And I kind of didn't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't have answer. <laughs> and <laughs> That's so funny. But there's, you know what? There's truth in Jess and, and that's the truth, right? Mm. And I guess you even saying that was your honest reaction is for him to kind of, and I guess you, to both like unpick that and say, well, why is that my reaction? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, he did break your trust. You trusted in him and he didn't show up for you in the ways that you needed. And, mm. and, I, and I remember you obviously talking about that trip to New York. And in many ways, correct me if I'm speaking out of turn, I know that there was definitely feelings of maybe like, not just abandonment, but someone not making you feel welcome or wanted because they're busy doing whatever they're doing. Yeah. And the strongest feeling was he is not available for someone to be in his life. That was the strongest feeling from me. He's not ready to have a girlfriend. He's not ready to spend his time with someone. And I don't think he realized that at that moment. So maybe this this is a reassessing, like he's had time to reassess that. Yeah, we we actually talked about it um, once, uh, about this experience I had in New York. And I told him quite honestly how I felt. And I told him the moment that he was, you know, was too stressed to ignore me and all this kind of little details. And I remember he said, it must be so hard to spend time with someone like me when I'm stressed. And I said, yes. <laughs> It was very hard. It was horrible. <laughs> well, yeah. at least he's he's becoming more self-aware. That is good. Yeah, that's that's. I'm. I was really glad to hear that. To hear him saying it. But for me, this breakup with him was the hardest I've ever had. It has completely destroyed me, in a sense, and it, it forced me to grow, which is which is the, the hindsight. You know, I. I learned so much about myself and self-awareness, how self-love, um, care, and recognizing who I am as a person and what I'm missing. But for me, if I do decide to be back with him in a relationship, I wouldn't want to give up again. I don't want to go through that breakup. I want to treasure this and make sure it lasts as long as I, I can make it last. So before making that decision, I feel like we should spend some time together physically, but we can't because of the quarantine. <laughs> That's such a hard situation to be in. <laughs> yeah, but he did say he wants to come to Copenhagen when everything's more calm yeah, and we can travel again. Well, it's good that you're making plans outside of this because that shows longevity. And you know, like, first yeah. conversation we had in a bar of, of a leaving dude, yeah. like, we had this really unusual connection. But you know, for this platform's sake, like, I'm not a relationship coach. But one thing I would tell you mm -hmm. as my friend is that I, I believe in a few things. One of those things is that 
we we have this term called like guard your heart and it's definitely like a biblical thing we you people would just say it to you in the church but no one actually really unpacks what it means and I think in a lot of ways I'm still trying to learn what that means to like guard your heart because we need to be like open loving people and yet there's the scriptures that says guard your heart because out of Mm -hmm. it flows all the issues of life and I think what it's trying to say is that if you don't protect your heart, you can have a breakup or a heartbreak that is so deep that affects you yeah. every aspect of your life, right? And I know that you've you've experienced that. And yet we should like be these open, loving people. So it's it's such a it's such a, a weird one to wrap your head around. And I think about this book, um, and I'm sure we spoke about that book, Scary Close. Yeah. Uh, by Donald Miller. And I feel like that book taught me a lot. And he talks about the relationship with him and his now wife. And she had this term called, uh, she doesn't want quality time. She wants quantity time. Yeah. I think what he was explaining is the problem with dating is often it's someone impressing you and you guys are doing a lot of stuff together and you're being entertained. It's a period where you can like Mm. fall in love with each other. But it's very different from the actual doing life together after the honeymoon phase. And so her thing is, I just want quantity time, a lot of time with you where we're not doing anything, really. Mm -hmm. We're just in each other's company. And for her, that's how she builds trust with her partner, because trust is a thing that you have to earn. There was this beautiful analogy where I think he he speaks against one of her friends saying I don't really like one of your friends and her response to that was like he says the way that she sees friendships is like a big growing oak tree that has been around for years Mm -hmm. like hundreds of years and the same way that you would never go into a forest and tear down this big old tree is the same way that she wouldn't tear down her friendships but she's only got to that because She's built up that over time and trust is something Mm. that we build up over time. So I guess the idea is that we should never give all of ourselves Mm. to someone. They should have to earn our trust because you are a gift. And if someone gets to spend time with you, that Mm. is a blessing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like you are the blessing and you choosing to spend your time with them. Like it's, it's more than a choice. And I think like sometimes we all have to remember where we spend our time is more than just entertainment. It's showing what's important to us, right? Yeah, 100%. I don't know if I articulated that well, but I do love his wife's thing about quantity time. Yeah, that really shocked me. Actually, when I first read it, I for some reason thought it was a typo. And then... I ran into it and I thought that made so much sense. We, you know, in the in the beginning of a relationship, we always try to almost fake our personality or identity to hide all these bad bits. And that's just so dangerous because that's exactly what happened to me, I feel. But there was another point I I really appreciated from the same book was I remember he was saying a lot of couples will describe their relationship with their partners as in you completed me, we completed each other as if you were the missing part of my life. And he said his point was for his relationship with his wife, at least they didn't complete each other. They help each other to grow. 
his relationship was never completing each other. They are two individuals that happen to be together and witnessing us, supporting each other to grow. And that was quite an important point for me because I feel like I have projected my weakness and what I'm missing in life to to the person I'm dating a lot in my past and say, if I really want to be loved in this way, then I will try to seek that from the person I'm dating. And once that's missing, I'll go crazy or I'll get really disappointed. I'll get heartbroken. But what I figure out is for us to be loved, we have to kind of fulfill that part ourselves. So when the person you're dating cannot fulfill your 100% need, it doesn't really matter because we have ourselves, we entertain ourselves and we have friends and we have our own way of, you know, loving ourselves and satisfying ourselves. And at the same time, we, we can support our partner witnessing their weaknesses or witness our weaknesses and just grow. I don't know, that was just one thing that really made me think about my past relationships, which is why when I'm talking to him, I feel like I'm more calm. Yeah. And I'm I'm more willing to expose my weaknesses and expose my thoughts and negativities because I feel like I'm I'm more of a full person now interacting with him. I don't know if I'm making any sense. You are making so much sense and I am literally just smiling and in awe and like (laughs) I feel emotional listening to you because to have that like revelation and it just sounds like you are more comfortable in your own skin. You are able to accept yourself and even when you said, you know, if I can't get 100% of this thing that I need from him because you're realizing that at the end of the day like you said no one can complete you yeah this human has not been designed to meet every single Mm. need you have that's why we have so many different forms of relationships right this is why you still have a a husband but you need your friends you need your mother you need your father you need Mm. not one person is gonna fill every plug and every issue you have we have to do Mm. that for ourselves we have to show up for ourselves And I think the most beautiful thing that you shared was saying, I feel comfortable showing my vulnerabilities, showing my negativities, like being your whole self, because you as this person, as this flawed person, like we all are flawed. And even in our flawedness, we are still Mm. deserving of love. We shouldn't have to prove ourselves perfect in order to be loved and to be loved well. And so even if this ends, my gosh, the fact that you have that revelation means that like you get to take that with you everywhere. You get to show up for yourself and love yourself and not settle for anything less. Because you know what's worse than having a breakup? settling for someone Mm. that isn't deserving Mm. of Mm. you that's worse to me totally agree it really yeah it's it has now at least turned into it 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 has always been a beautiful relationship even at the most difficult time i have to say that and now it feels more like a beautiful and healthy relationship (laughs) i love that good because before it was beautiful and toxic for sure 
you both done growing yeah oh my gosh this is exciting I was actually giving him almost like a therapeutic lesson (laughs) because he said um I remember we were talking about my hairstyle because I had long hair and I keep changing it now it's short and then it grows again I said I just feel like more like myself now he said someone asked me before if I know who I was I didn't know how to answer that and I just wrote this really silly message and I said, try things, you know, have fun with your life. He'd never usually cook and now he start cooking because of the quarantine. Cook more, bake more, go out, have fun, drink. If you can't, talk to your friends. Just like you can discover yourself through having fun and exploring life and you can surprise yourself so much. And when I'm saying that, I feel really happy internally because that just made me appreciate how beautiful life is, especially after the horrible last year <laughs> breakup I went through and having so much doubt with life and myself and, you know, if I deserve the world even. It was a whole another topic, basically. But I'm quite glad I arrived at the stage that I can comfortably be happy and enjoy life, really. And you know what? You saying, I don't know if I deserve the world. You do, and the world deserves the light that you bring into it. <laughs> Thank you. Truly. <laughs> like, you bring so much value into the world. I felt that, and I felt that connection just mm. from the one time we met, you know? And it's so rare you meet someone where they are so willing to be like, just honest and it's weird because you was having a really hard conversation and yet there was so much like positivity in the connection Mm -hmm. that we like formed you know um and you are and I really do believe you are someone very special Um, and I wish I could like explain but it's something you can't even explain like how we met and just that conversation and I remember us two just (laughs) talking in the corner and everyone going what are they talking about do they know each other do it and no one could believe we had just met and it was in the back of a pub or a bar wasn't it It was in the back of a pub yeah that that (laughs) night was special I remember I I actually had a little breakdown halfway through our conversation but I kind of stopped it I, I felt the weight of that conversation for sure yeah and that was a period I feel like I want to force myself to socialize so it will help me to get over this but it didn't and I remember that night um the same night we met I went back um to where I was staying in London and I called him and we had the most difficult conversation I think that was the evening we talked last six months ago so it was the last time we talked ever yeah it was tough but yeah I was I was really glad I came across positive still because that was also the period I was really worried of having interactions with people because I'm so down, you know, like I'm always upset, I'm always depressed and this is not a good look and it's not a good feeling and I was really worried that people will get annoyed because I'm bringing this negative vibe. (laughs) I think I just felt so refreshed that I didn't know where I was going other than I'm meeting a group of people that Mm. I don't know to say goodbye to my friend. And in the middle of it, I ended up connecting with someone who was so like 
honest and real and we had yeah. such an authentic conversation that it didn't matter you know sometimes you meet people and they feel that they have to be the idea of who you want them to be instead of just being themselves and I'm like listen if your thing is like Star Trek and you are into <laughs> Star Trek figurines you want to talk about it talk to me about it for ev- like for a whole evening not because I'm into that but I just love seeing people who are real and passionate mm-hmm. about whatever they're into like I find that exciting and in the same way obviously you wasn't talking to me about your hobby but you was having this real like it, it was palpable what you're feeling I could feel it through that conversation I could feel it sitting next to you right and you were having a real conversation it wasn't small talk like sometimes small talk can my gosh it's so redundant and and I remember in that conversation it wasn't even that it was weighty it didn't bring me down I would say that and there was times obviously I was concerned but one thing I was really I guess like impressed by and I felt really inspired by was how even though what you was going through was so hard and you had to really fight to get where you are today you showed up for yourself in more ways than you give yourself credit because you was the one to walk away from that situation the first time you knew it wasn't healthy and you walked away And then you knew that you were struggling. And so you reached out. And in so many ways, you consistently up until today have shown up and fought for yourself. So you're going, oh, my gosh, I didn't want to be like this burden. I didn't want to bring people down. And I'm sitting here going, wow, this girl has been through such a hard time. And yet she's aware of what she's going through. There was like a level of self-awareness. And the other thing was, you kept showing up for yourself. You kept fighting for the fact that you knew you deserved better. And yeah, I, I think that is something worth celebrating because people don't do that. And I was mm. really, I, I'm, I'm still in awe of that, you know. Mm. And I have to thank you for the book, Scary Close. It has helped me on an enormous level. <laughs> I think everybody should read it, despite you're in a relationship or not. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I agree. I I have bought more copies of that book than any other. Like wow. I've bought more copies in that book. I I don't even understand. So, uh, and I just sent it to people yeah. because it is a book that everyone should read. And ironically, it was a guy who kind of lacked boundaries and was promising the world to me that um, was reading that book and was like, "Oh, everyone should read it." Yeah. And then yeah. I. Um, picked up that book and I remember getting so mad when I was reading certain chapters because I was like what this is this guy like this is literally this guy and it's <laughs> funny that the person who told me to read it was in essence a red flag you know what I mean? <laughs> but it doesn't matter <laughs> man god we use anyone <laughs> And that, like, yeah, I was just like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, but isn't it uh, impressive for someone to recognise that? Because I feel like a lot of boys, I would not call them men, boys, who are very into game playing, like um, the, the author Donald Miller, they don't recognise what they're doing. And they keep thinking they're doing the right thing. They're just being themselves. And for somebody who can recognize that this kind of behavior was him playing a game and grow from that and try to, you know, he went through all these camps and stuff, try to kind of 
grow out of it. That was quite impressive for me. I, I'm so glad you read it. And it's making me think maybe during this lockdown time, I should like pick up this book. Yes. Again. Yeah. Every time I read it, I get different, almost like I receive different lessons, even if it's the same um, sentence. But sometimes I feel like also we're going through different stuff. So we resonate with different content in a book, right? If I'm going through this part of a breakup, and then I read this chapter, I really echo with that. And that changes because now I'm at a completely different stage of life or kind of position. I'm a happier person. So when I read, I will receive maybe more the positive part of the book, which is which is why, yeah, I love this book so much. I'm so glad I read it. <laughs> Bear in mind, I don't really read books. I have this kind of weird phobia towards reading English because... It's a long story, but basically, first time I went abroad, I studied abroad and lived abroad was when I was 15 and I went to Mauritius and I spoke no word of English. I couldn't understand anything. And I was all of a sudden in the English speaking international school and I didn't make friends for a very long time because of that. And they also speak French <laughs> and Creole. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. So I kind of quite naturally. Where did you, where did you come from? China. What part? Mm, it's close to Shanghai, kind of east coast in the middle. And that is a big jump to go, well, now I'm just going to go to this international school in Mauritius. Oh, yeah, because my dad was working in Mauritius and he wants me to kind of be more independent. So he said, would you be interested to study here? And, you know, as a teenager, it was just so cool to study abroad. And I just said yes without thinking too much and I arrived it was really different it was really difficult you know people bullied me for the fact that I didn't speak their languages my grades were really bad I had teachers complaining about me because you know as a teenager when I couldn't understand a word I was saying I just doodle I love drawing so I doodle on my on my sheets or I just write notes in Chinese of like whatever I could understand and some teachers didn't like it. It was a very tough time. So quite naturally, I chose all science-based objects because I don't have to interact too much with the language. So I never kind of learned properly how to write in English, especially literature. Never like never got into reading as well, which is why I don't really read that much. So now when I read, it's more for projects because I have to read this to understand certain topics. But I'm kind of forcing myself to to read a bit more and it has been fun the two books i i start reading couldn't put it down which was very rare for me one of them is margaret atwood's book the other one is scary clothes <laughs> wow yeah but listen i'm also just amazed that you persevered through that finished school went to university to study architecture which is like no small feat like that is incredible and as someone who studied architectures too and did not continue it to part two and you did like my gosh um that is such a difficult course to get through and I just commend you because I know you, there was probably a lot of reading there was a lot of literature mm. and even I remember doing like the history of architecture course those are hefty even like technology and architecture, where you're dealing with the science of it and, oh my gosh, the really lofty subjects to tackle. Yeah. And you did it. 
architects love to invent their own vocabulary, which in a way actually pissed me off. <laughs> because such a simple sentence idea, they just have to overcomplicate it into like two pages. Oh, they love, yeah. they absolutely love a lofty theory, a lofty idea. Uh, they are the books. I still have a lot of the books, which I need to donate. So <laughs> if anyone listening <laughs> is an architecture student, or works within a university. I don't need this to be sold. I want to gift it. I spent way too much money on books that I need to offload. That's really nice of you. Um, well, it's been it's been sitting here. I've been really needed to do. Yeah, that. yeah. So you know what's so funny now is I'm working on a publication and it's a quite a dense research project. But I mainly do the design part of the publication because it's online based, it's interactive. Just I got given a lot of responsibility by the other editor who just asked me to read the text, basically doing copy editing. And then I was very intimidated by the idea because, you know, naturally I don't think my English was good, it's not my first language, and I'm very bad at writing. And sometimes I'll come across a piece of text and I'll try to make changes and I'll send an email to the rest of the editors saying, please don't take this too seriously, but maybe I think it should be changed this way. And I just took the idea. They said, oh, great. And I really boosted my confidence in writing English because I've questioned myself in writing the whole, since the age of 15, you know, every time I write a sentence in English, I read it kind of three times to make sure grammarly makes sense. And now I feel more comfortable and confident in writing that I don't have to kind of question myself all the time. And by given this random responsibility as a copy editor, funny enough. This is incredible. I really feel this deeply because I have dyslexia and it's okay. something that obviously I've had for forever. So books are not necessarily my friend. So I, I remember even being in school and, and I would kind of just talk to everyone and some of the girls, they were really academic and we would talk about books during lunchtime, but I didn't read. Um, I remember even seeing the Harry Potter books and picking up my cousin's book and being so overwhelmed by the size of the book. And I remember opening up mm. the page because I knew that so many people loved Harry Potter. And I thought, well, maybe I could love it too. And just coming across the names like Dumbledore, there was no way when I saw that on a page, I knew how to pronounce that. And so like <laughs> I closed that book. That was so intimidating for me. And I was sharing a story with my mum the other day and she was like cracking up. But my gosh, I remember what it felt like. She bought me like um, a C.S. Lewis book and I remember picking it up and reading it. And it was called The Magician's New Fin. And I was reading this book about this thing called The Magician's New Fin. And I was like, well, what's a new fin? And I was like, it must be like a magical creature because he's he's a um, magician right and I'm reading and I'm like are they going to describe this new thing and so like I'm getting through this book trying to trudge through it not really knowing what anything is happening because I'm spending so long just trying to like read the words I'm not really taking in this story but I was so Mm -hmm. proud that I like picked up this book and I was reading it so to the same group of girls during the lunchtime, I was talking about this book, The Magician's New Fin by like C.S. Lewis. And one of the girls said, I, I don't know a C.S. Lewis book called that. And they're talking. 
And I'm like, yeah, it was called The Magician's New Fin. I, I don't know, maybe it's not one of his popular books. And then someone were, like turns to me and goes, you mean The Magician's Nephew? <laughs> and <laughs> the embarrassment oh my God. I felt because I didn't know that was nephew and not and everything suddenly made sense oh. <laughs> and that. books everything were not my friends <laughs> And so, yeah, I still have this double collection of C.S. Lewis books. I have not picked up The Magician's <laughs> Nephew. And and for many years, books just became this scary thing that I thought I could not have a relationship with. Mm. Um, and I don't remember what the turning point was, but I remember picking up a book and I wish I remember what book it was. And um, for the first time, being like reading it cover to cover and thinking, wow, this thing isn't scary. Um, and mm. I, I don't know if what book it was, but I remember reading a book, Love Does, by Bob Goff. And Bob Goff, he writes the forward for Scary Close, Donald Miller's book. Mm. And they're actually like good friends. Yeah. And that is an easy to read book. Mm. But for me, because the only books I had come across in, in school as well were very like academic style books. Yeah. I didn't know that you could read books that just felt like your tone of voice yeah and so Um, easy to read and so easy yeah and I needed that and so like books have been something that I've only really been exploring in later life as an adult Mm. and so I went back and I started to buy a lot of the books that I guess I should have read in school and never read Mm. and I read like Mice and Men because people always reference that but I had never read it in school and I read some like Fitzgerald Tennessee Williams stuff and I was like wow okay Mm. this this is exciting uh so yeah books have been a gift that I'm I'm now I'm now experiencing Mm. as an adult and I'm still not a big reader you know yeah don't laugh at me but I've I've been having this theory that I might be dyslexic as well but just because I've never been tested so it's just my theory because like you I've kind of never been a fan of books since since a very young age even in Chinese I never really got into reading books I remember all my friends and my cousins who loved reading and I was the old one out also I have this thing that when I read a text out loud I don't understand it I have to go back and read it again in silence I don't know if you have it so one I definitely wouldn't laugh at you. Uh, Dyslexia is something that is very common. And actually a lot of creative people have dyslexia. Because I guess they find that we learn more in a visual capacity. Yeah. And so it's not uncommon. I'm sure there are tests that you can take online and then probably more formal tests you could probably take as well. I asked in um, the hospitals in Copenhagen and they're not very impressed that I went all the way there, book appointment to ask a question like that. <laughs> really? Yeah. And you got kicked out by this doctor. Oh my God. He was like, Is that why you're here? I said, Yes. <laughs> and yeah, he, yeah, he got nowhere. So I'm really sorry to hear that. <laughs> Man, 
Well, I guess mine was discovered within, like, obviously the learning environment within school. Yeah. I don't know where adults would go. I mean, I'm guessing maybe there's something on Google. That's what I can just imagine, right? But I, I don't know. And I definitely don't know what that's like in Copenhagen. When you said about reading stuff out loud versus reading it in your head, I am definitely better at reading in my head than reading out loud. And it's something that still frustrates me is if I read out loud, I'm more prone to make more mistakes. But I think I'm also just more conscious of myself. And I've come to the stage as well where I'm just like way better at reading. Like words don't jump across the page like they used to anymore. And, mm. um, and I think that just comes with time. But I definitely remember in school, say we were reading a poem or something and we would get told everyone's going to read a, a stanza. I would race ahead, ignore what was being read. And in my head, I would practice my bit over and over and over again, just so when I would have to speak in front of the class, I wouldn't make all of myself. So I would like practice what I was going to read so that when that time came, I was more confident. You know what? I do that. Today, I read a meme that somebody does that as well. And the common was, I'm pretty sure we have the same childhood. So maybe everyone did that. The problem was I've never read that poem. So I would have to go in my own time and then actually go, well, what was this poem saying? Mm, Yeah. I was very blessed because in secondary school, or people called it in high school, I had a really amazing English teacher. Shout out to Miss McCarthy, who just made English literature the most accessible and fun experience. And she didn't take class clowns or fools lightly. And so in her class, she really drilled in, you want to be the smart kid, you want to apply yourself, that is how you are cool. Mm. And I remember that for part of our coursework, where it made up a large percentage of our grade, she knew that I didn't do well in exams and I did better at coursework. And she let me present one of my modules instead as an acting piece. And so I believe that I got to memorise and act out, I think it was like a monologue from either Romeo and Juliet or Macbeth. I can't remember what, it might have been Macbeth. Mm. And I got to act that out with a friend and that became part of my grade. I just like think she did me such a massive service because she made English literature not a scary environment. And she adapted her teaching and her grading style to fit me as a student to understand that not everyone learns in the same way. And so we can't all be held to the same rigid academic way of like grading somebody the way to acknowledge their understanding of a text too. And so even when she asked me questions after the monologue, it was all verbal and I got to give back verbal responses instead of writing it down. Mm. And that like helped me massively. So yeah. Yeah. It's so important. Um I'm I'm really glad that I had that amazing English teacher. And I guess our hope is that that level of teaching continues, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It is really important to also recognize that sometimes, you know, those so-called bad students or naughty students might just be the ones who didn't get taught the right way or... Yeah. Because I was a naughty student in Mauritius, you know, just because I feel neglected and I was bullied a little bit and I didn't understand, so I feel stupid in classes and I felt really insecure. I remember I hated so much. So I applied for, it was such a funny experience. I applied for kind of high schools in the UK, so A-levels. 
and I didn't know what to do. So I found out that international students can only go to boarding schools rather than public schools. So I got the list of top hundred boarding schools in the UK and applied to every single one of them. <laughs> but um, I I applied in April, which is really late for going to school in September the same year. So pretty much, I just get rejections one after the other until one school said a girl just dropped out, so they have a space, and I went through the whole exam and you know this and that, what and what not, and got in. <laughs> I just packed my bag, moved to the UK. <laughs> it was so funny. I remember the day. Wow. I left the school. I went around and told everybody I'm I'm leaving. I'm I'm moving to <laughs> to the UK because <laughs> I was so happy. And what was their response? Um they just oh okay cool congratulations. <laughs> what's what's really amazing was the headmaster at the school. This person who who offered me a position in school and had been communicating with my dad because he was concerned, has said to me, I have always believed in you. There are teachers coming to complain about you to me. And I told them, you just wait and watch. And he said, good luck. And that made me want to cry. I was behaving in a naughty way. I have to say, I wasn't being a good student. He could still have faith in me and believe in me and defend me to all the teachers who don't want to teach me anymore because I was, you know, behaving in an abnormal way. Um, yeah, it was really touching. I was so moved to hear that. It's like the the Lady Gaga interviews that people had put together when she was advertising that film that she was in. What was the film called again? Oh, oh. Uh... Something about singing, right? Yes, the singing. I just cannot remember what the film is called. And she kept repeating the lines, if 99 people reject you or something like that, all you need is the one person to believe in you. And someone had put together during her press junket every single time she repeated those lines. And so it became Mm -hmm. kind of like its own meme. But truly, if you're in a room with 99 people who don't believe in you, all it takes is that one person to say, hey, I believe in you. Yeah. You are seen. I believe in you. And I'm glad that you got that reassurance that you needed. Because, hey, dude, you went from China to Mauritius to England to Copenhagen. And you've done stints in America, too. Like, you've lived an international life. <laughs> You've done, you've done a lot. You've taught yourself a whole other language. Do you speak any other? I used to speak a bit French when I lived in Mauritius, but I kind of, that, that was gone. <laughs> it's incredible. You're doing something that I cannot do and I really wish I learned and I invested more into speaking other languages. Definitely always envious of people who can speak more than one language. It's such a skill. Mm, yeah. What are you excited about? <sighs> At the moment, yeah, um, I'm I'm excited about the unknown, which is actually interesting because I used to be so scared of the unknown. If I don't know what my future is going to be like, if I don't know even like what I'm going to eat tomorrow, these kind of tiny things really stress me out. But from my past experience of 28 years, every time when there is unknown situation that I'm not sure what my future is going to look like something good happens and I feel like I'm constantly progressing 
So at this moment, I'm, I'm staying in Denmark on this visa called guest researcher that is going to expire in August. And I planned moving to New York and that didn't happen. And I want to move back to London. And then the whole coronavirus situation happened. Um, so I don't really know where I'm going to go, but I'm quite excited about it. When we let up control, when we like loosen the reins and we breathe and realise we can't be in control of everything, can we? Mm -hmm. But we can rest easy in the now. Yeah. The blessings always come because things fall into place. Yeah. I'm glad because I also need that reminder. I know things will work out for you. I don't know where you'll be, <laughs> but I am excited to be able to find out with you and to see where you end up. It's going to be exciting. Yeah. And no matter where you go, hopefully I get to visit. <laughs> yeah. Funny enough, all my friends' reaction is, can you please move to New York so I can visit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When they open up them borders. Yeah. Well, listen. This has been such a special conversation and we've gone like full circle. We started talking about a story that began in New York. We've ended with a story about possibly moving to New York. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to thank you for your time, for like doing the vulnerable thing of sharing your story. Hopefully it won't be the last time we get to hear from you on this podcast. Woo. Once I learn how to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Faye. No, thank you for, for everything. You have really helped me, actually. All of my de massive depression that I was going through. And yeah, it's so great to, to just meet somebody like you. And yeah, someone real. Just have a good conversation with, have a laugh and talk about something deep, talk about something shallow. It's just, yeah, it's nice. And I hope this podcast goes well. Thank you. I hope so too. Yeah, it will. It will. I hope you have a lovely rest of your evening, even if that just involves sleeping. Let it be peaceful. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you for this conversation. Oh, no, thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure to share. Take care. Take care. Bye. Bye. Wow. This has been episode one of After the Beat. Thank you for listening. I can't wait to share next week's conversation with you. Till then, it would be amazing if you could subscribe and leave the show a five-star review on iTunes. I promise to read every single one multiple times. And if you are interested in scheduling a call with me or simply leaving a voicemail, all the details are in the show notes. See you next week. Please leave a message after the beat.